This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Aaron Brightman. Welcome to episode 134 of the On The Banks Podcast. I'm your host and managing editor, Aaron Brightman. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Took a week off for the podcast last week. Back, lots of lots of exciting things going on in Piscataway and New Brunswick with Rutgers Athletics. Uh, spring sports obviously in full swing now. Wanted to start touching on baseball. Uh, off to a twenty-two and six start this season. Best start ever. Five and one in Big Ten play. They went uh, won two of three against Penn State, and then they swept Minnesota three game series uh, last weekend beat Monmouth with a six-run eighth inning on Tuesday and really are just rolling. They have um, the longest win streak uh, in big in the Big Ten right now at seven games, and they really are just looking like a team headed to uh, its best season in a long time and uh, certainly in uh, contention uh, to go uh, into NCAA regional play, which will be the first time in, in many years. So Exciting things. We had uh, head coach Steve Owens on the podcast to start, uh, before the season started. And, you know, I was impressed by how confident he was in this team and how well he kind of had them figured out, I think, in terms of what they would do well, what they wouldn't. Obviously, their bats, you know, are a major strength. You know, the pitching has uh, been pretty solid. Dale Stanovich out of the bullpen has been extremely good. And uh, this team is rolling. So head to Nebraska this weekend for a three-game set. Nebraska is the defending Big Ten champs. Not having as good of a season this year, but still a huge series for Rutgers. People are asking why they aren't ranked yet. I think, you know, they haven't had a, a big series win against a notable team yet. Even though Nebraska isn't having the year they typically have, they're a big name and they're still a top-half Big Ten team, I think. So um, winning that series in Lincoln, which they did last year as well, they swept Nebraska you know, would go a long way, I think, towards solidifying their national credibility and, and potentially getting them into the polls the following week. Moving on to lacrosse, men's lacrosse, fastest start in program history to, to 10 wins, uh, did it in just 11 games, uh, 10 and one now, huge performances uh, of late for this team. They just dominated Johns Hopkins uh, over the weekend, uh, beat them 12 to seven. They're now two and zero in big 10 play. Uh, ranked number four in the country. And, uh, you know, they're just getting contributions from so many different players. Uh, you know, Shane Knobloch just had a, a huge game this past weekend. Um, you know, Colin Kirst really uh, starting to, I think, not that he started slow to start the season, but he's really coming into his own. I think Bobby Russo had a huge game against the win over Hopkins to hold them to just seven seven goals, obviously uh, tremendous defense. Their second straight season, they've started with a 2-0 record in Big Ten play. And now you have number one, Maryland, this weekend, Sunday night at Maryland, uh, showing live on, on BTN. Maryland's undefeated at 9-0, and Rutgers at 10-1. and And as crazy as men's lacrosse is, you know, there's only eight at-large berths to the NCAA tournament. So, you know, Rutgers needs to win every game possible that they can. Obviously, the winner of the Big Ten tournament is an automatic berth. Maryland, you know, huge favorite uh, for sure, and just national powerhouse. But Rutgers, just you have to be really impressed. With head coach Brian Breck's team this year, uh, really have not missed a beat at all, needing to replace uh, so many key players from last year. And in speaking with him before the season as well, he he really was very confident that they would be able to um, maintain their their you know high high level of of expectation, and they, they certainly have delivered so far. Women's across 
Ranked number 15th this week in the polls, uh, 10 and 2, had a huge win over Michigan, uh, who was ranked number 13th last week. They had the top scoring defense in the country, and Rutgers just really, you know, did really well, scored 13 goals against them, won 13 to 8. TT Mislonski is just playing at another level right now and was able to uh, have six goals and an assist. Michigan was only allowing eight goals per game going into that. So huge win. And then had a uh, kind of a heartbreaking loss this past weekend at home to Arizona State. Lost in overtime. A little bit of a setback for them. And now they go, they will face number three Northwestern this coming weekend, uh, which is obviously a huge game for them. Um, but still a great season for them so far. Uh, that game is actually this Thursday. And that'll be on the Big Ten Network as well. It's at Northwestern. It'll air at 8.30 p.m. this Thursday, April 7th. So huge test for them. Obviously, a win would, would just be um, huge. A loss, you know, women's lacrosse has a much bigger uh, NCAA tournament field. So um, they're still in very good position to get back to the NCAA tournament for a second straight year. I wanted to touch on men's basketball a little bit here. Um, some news that was reported out this past week, past couple of days. Um, assistant coach Brandon Knight, uh, associate head coach, uh, reportedly signing a two-year extension, getting a raise to $600,000 per year to remain at Rutgers for at least the next two years. His name was being mentioned, the potential uh, replacement for Shaheen Holloway at St. Peter's. Also uh, was rumored to potentially uh, join Holloway at Seton Hall as his cousin and be associate head coach there. Credit to Steve Peichel, Pat Hobbs, and Rutgers for locking him up. And, you know, I think the bigger picture, obviously, this is a crucial offseason for the program. The stability of having Peichel and uh, Knight, who really, you know, if anyone has built this program along with Peichel, no one has more so than Brandon Knight um, in terms of his recruiting. Um, you know, he was a lead recruiter for Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr., Cliff Murray, Paul Mulcahy, and now Derek Simpson coming in. And he's just in terms of his uh, ability to coach the guards, player development, he's so critical to the success of this program. So I think having the stability of the two of them, obviously in place, going into a year where there's a lot of um, production that's going to need to be replaced, they're going to need to uh, tweak the roster. Waiting on news from the transfer portal. Obviously, they're very active. I think they're going to need to obviously add uh, at least one, if not two, impact players. Uh, but having Knight come back is, I think, a great sign for this team in the long term. And then I think just bigger picture, just Rutgers Athletics as a whole, to see them, you know, consistently now, you know, invest not only in facilities, but now their coaches, keeping the right coaches in place across multiple sports. Uh, it's easy to forget, but this is not a normal, was never a normal occurrence at Rutgers for decades. And now under Pat Hobbs and, and President Jonathan Holloway, it's it's pretty much standard operating procedure in terms of extending the right coaches, keeping everyone in place and keeping things moving forward. So as Rutgers fans, I think we really need to acknowledge that, take a step back and, and, and understand that, you know, obviously the Big Ten money, you know, is helping in that. But I also think the alignment from the top down from Holloway down to Hobbs and, and et cetera, Board of Governors um, is, is as well aligned as it's ever been. And I think we're seeing the um, organization and the um, plan in place that's really taking into effect. And it's, it's a great sight to see. Wanted to focus this episode, though, on football, uh, Rutgers football, uh, a couple weeks now into spring uh, practice. A couple uh, things wanted to touch on first, uh, the Scarlet White game annual uh, end of spring Scrimmage has been moved to Friday, April 22nd at 7 p.m. That game will air live on uh, the Big Ten Network as well, um, but obviously a lot better for fans to be able to attend Friday night affair in late April. 
So uh, obviously it should be a, a great opportunity to really see this team, uh, which we're going to get into with our guest in a minute. Um, but then also wanted to just touch on very quickly the recruiting for 2023. A lot of news last week uh, for Rutgers. Uh, Jasir Peterson, who was initially the first commit for the class of 23, had decommitted in January. And then uh, he recommitted last week for Rutgers. He had uh, earned offers from Syracuse, Pitt, Nebraska, BC, West Virginia, Illinois, since he decommitted, but he has now pledged back to the program, was there this past weekend for the scrimmage, and um, just a huge win for Rutgers. You know, he's got a four-star rating with uh, 24-7 sports. Um, he's a high three-star in the composite rankings. He's a top 10 player in the state of New Jersey, and it really just gives them uh, an anchor to have in this uh, 2023 class. He can play both sides of the line. be interesting to see where he ultimately ends up, and he you know, joins uh, John Stone, who's an offensive lineman in New Jersey as well, also a top 10 recruit. So you have four commits now in the class of 23. Two of them are top 10 recruits in New Jersey. So that's a really good start. Uh, and obviously a, a selling point as they get forward and get more into this recruiting cycle. And they also got two other recent commitments from uh, uh, three stars, a running back Chris Johnson Jr. from Florida uh, with top level speed. And then also uh, Yazid Haynes, uh, from Pennsylvania, uh, who had a lot of uh, really good Power Five offers, Ole Miss, also Maryland, West Virginia, BC, and he is a 21st ranked recruit in Pennsylvania, which obviously is a, a talent rich state. So uh, recruiting off uh, pretty strong after being quiet for a while for Rutgers. Uh, obviously a good sign. I know people were worried about Fran Brown leaving and what impact that would have, but I think what we're seeing early on is that you know Rutgers has a lot of positive momentum. And the staff hires they've made, I think, were good ones. And um, really, they aren't missing a beat on the recruiting trail so far. That leads us to uh, really the, the main uh, meat of this episode. And we're welcoming back uh, Chris Eisman, covers Rutgers football for USA Today, uh, New Jersey. Excited to have him here. Uh, he's uh, seen the team practice uh, for a few weeks now and uh, wanted to get his insights on this team and developments over this spring. And we welcome him in now. It's my pleasure. Now, welcome back to the On the Banks podcast, Rutgers football reporter for USA Today Network in New Jersey, Chris Eisman. Chris, thanks so much for being back. Thanks so much, Aaron. I appreciate you uh, having me on. So we're about halfway through uh, spring practice for Rutgers football. Obviously, you know, an interesting offseason coming off of the uh, late bowl appearance. It kind of came out of nowhere. A uh, lot of changes to the coaching staff. What have been some of your initial impressions of spring practice so far for this team? Yeah, it's been a wild few weeks, no question for the football team, um, just with all the changes that have gone on and, you know, the revamp staff and the departures. And, um, you know, I think the one thing that has really, you know, stood out about these spring practices has just kind of been the level of competition that's now in the program. And if you think about it, you know, the, the last couple of years, especially, you know, particularly since uh, Shiana returned, you kind of had an idea of what the team was going to look like in the season opener, right? I mean, because they had so many returning starters coming back. Um, the depth in the program overall um, was was not where it really needed to be. Um, but this is kind of the first time where there's more uncertainty, you know, going into the season opener um, of what this team is going to be. You know, there's obviously a lot of position battles, um, starting jobs up for grabs. But even guys who are returning, I, I'm not so sure that I would say that, you know, jobs are just going to be as as certain as they had been there's there's more competition there's younger guys pushing for those roles um there's there's more depth in the program because of you know the recruiting classes that they brought in and the transfers 
Um, so I, I think that there's a lot of intrigue in terms of kind of what this team is going to look like uh, against Boston College in early September. Um, and, and Greg Shiano's talked a lot about kind of the level of competition is rising in the program overall and guys are pushing and battling and, and that's huge. That's where, that's what you need to be a competitive program. It, it's, and he's, he's made it clear that it's not where it needs to be. Certainly they're still far off from that, but it's gotten better. And I think that that's really kind of stood out. It's just kind of the energy, um, the competition, the young guys vying for spots. So I, I think that that's kind of really been a big theme in spring so far. So obviously, you know, uh, in terms of intrigue with position battles, it always starts with quarterback. Noah Vedrill back, obviously, you know, Gavin Wimsat, you know, I think some fans almost think he's just, you know, automatically going to be handed the starting position in September. Obviously hard to know yet so far, but I do think, are you surprised by Shiano's approach? It seems like, you know, he really is challenging Wimsat to have to beat out Vedrill. And, you know, it's basically Vedrill's job to lose at this point. How much do you think of that as reality versus kind of just, challenging Wimsat to kind of step up and, and take over before the season starts? Well, I'm not surprised that this has been his approach. I think it's a little bit of both of what you were saying. I, I think that, first of all, they love Noah Vedrill. I mean, we know that. They have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Um, and, and not just the coaching staff, but the entire team. You know, the players, um, you know, when Noah transferred in from Nebraska, I mean, he, he got the respect of the locker room pretty quickly and obviously was a, was a co-captain last season. Um, and, you know, arguably maybe not even arguably toughest guy in the program. I mean, with the amount of hits that he's taken and, and what he's played through, he's played through injury. Um, so he has a ton of respect. And so I, you're not just going to say to a, a two year returning starter that, you know, Hey, thanks a lot for everything. You know, we're going to take your job away and we're going to give it to you, a, you know, a young unproven um, talented, but unproven freshman who right now would have been a high school senior had he stayed in, 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 uh, in school, in high school. So I'm not surprised by, by Shiano's approach. I think it's that, listen, Noah Vedrill is a guy that we like. We know what he can do um, in this offense. Does he have limitations? Absolutely. You know, we know that. His arm strength is not, you know, what, what I think the offense needs it to be. But, you know, he does other things well. Um, you know, he, he's, a, he's a good, you know, manager of the offense. He leads the offense well. So they know who he is. They're not trying to make him into something that he's not. They understand what Noah Vedrill can do for the offense. But, if you have, you know, what Greg Schiano said, you know, the up and comers are going to have to earn that job. If they're, he's not just going to anoint somebody a starting quarterback because they're quote unquote the future. You're going to have to earn that and take it away from Noah Vegel and show that you deserve that job. So I think that that's something that's going to continue throughout the rest of the spring and then into training camp. And we'll see what happens going into the season opener. But definitely, you know, anybody who's going to take that job away is going to wrestle that job away from Vigil is going to have to earn it. Shiano's going to play. He's going to start whoever he thinks is going to win. He's going to be able to help the team win. He's not just going to do anything for the future for development. It's going to be who can help this team win against Boston College. And then whatever happens every other week after that, that's how he's going to determine this, in my view, not just giving the job to somebody. And with that being said, you know, and I know it's, you know, limited in terms of the practice time you've been able to, you know, that the media is allowed to see and all that. And there's only been one, uh, you know, internal scrimmage. But is there anything obvious uh, in terms of Wimsat's, you know, presence on the field, his development so far? Have you seen any noticeable steps uh, since the fall or is it a little bit too early to tell? Yeah, I think it's really too early to tell. I mean, and plus, you know, because of where he was in, in the fall, um, you know, and, and, you know, how how we kind of joined the program and how they kind of ease him into things. Um, it's hard to even compare where he's at at this point. Um, you know, Sean Gleason talked earlier in the spring about, you know, he, he looks more like a college quarterback because he's bigger. 
Um, obviously, having been in, in Jay Butler's strength and conditioning program now for a while, um, you know, Gleason was saying that he he just he's stronger. You know, he's, he's physically bigger. Um, and I think that, you know, he also, Gleason, I, I think, was saying, you know, he's more confident because he's obviously been in the program longer and, you know, has been around the offense more. So I think that that's maybe if, if that's a positive step in the right direction. Um, but I think that we're really going to need to wait to the, to the spring game, you know, to really in kind of in that atmosphere. You know, and that's that'll be his first time, you know, in front of home in front of his home fans. Um, so I think we're going to have to wait to see, you know, kind of use that as a gauge to see where he's at in, in, in his development. Another position that, you know, I think almost gets lost in the shuffle, at least uh, in the offseason so far as running back. Obviously, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, you know, off to his, um, you know, looking like an NFL draft uh, draft pick coming up this spring. You know, wh- where do you see that battle shaping up? Uh, obviously, Kyle Manungai returns, uh, Jameer Ray Collins, Aaron Young. You have Al Shady Salam potentially in the mix. Do you think it's going to be more of a, a committee approach moving forward? Or is, is Rutgers kind of looking for one of those guys to stand out? Yeah, you know, that that's a that's a really it's an interesting room because they do have some depth there, even even trying to replace Isaiah Pacheco, which is not going to be easy to do, obviously, with what what you know he he did for the program the last few years. But I, I definitely think that, you know, Kyle Manungai impressed. I mean, you know, the last few, you know, in his opportunities last season, um, you saw how physically he would run. Um, you know, he 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 got downhill and that that's you know, Greg Shiano is actually saying after the scrimmage that that's what he wants to see more out of the running backs is that they to get more run more physically, run more downhill. You know, don't necessarily always look for the home run. You know, get your threes, get your, you know, the threes turn into thirties, what he was saying. You know, just keep keep going, you know, downhill and, and you'll eventually, you know, you'll be able to pop one off and get a big, you know, get a big run out of it. Um, so I think that's what he wants to see more. I think Aaron Young obviously is gonna, you know, he he's at the at the top of that chart, in my view, right now, because of his ex- returning experience. But also he's a very versatile player. He can split out wide, he's a good receiver. Um, so you know, he he's he provides a lot that that some of the other running backs don't. And I think that they all complement each other well. And, and don't forget, we have a running, you know, they have a running back in Sam Brown coming in who is, you know, obviously I think has a lot of talent. Um, we'll see whether he can, you know, contribute right away. But, you know, they certainly have some good talent in the room and, and especially some younger players as they continue to develop. But you know, certainly, uh, you know, Aaron Young is, is going to, you know, he's when he returns from, he's been banged up. So he's, he's not doing much in the spring. So it's tough to gauge, you know, too much of what's going to happen. But I think that he's at the top, and then you know, you know, we'll see what happens after that. But certainly, Kyle Manunga, as I said, is, is I think has impressed a lot of people in his opportunities. Is going to make another big impact. And just uh, staying with offense, you know, the wide receiver room is really, I think, a lot more interesting this year as well. You know, with the transfers coming in, Sean Ryan from uh, West Virginia and Taj Harris from Syracuse. You have obviously uh, Josh Youngblood back for a second year. Shamin Jones returns. Aaron Crookshank back from injury. Isaiah Washington. Uh, any, what's the buzz been like with the wide receiver group and, um, you know, any initial impressions from the newcomers? Well, getting Sean Ryan and Taj Harris was huge. Obviously, you know, we know that Rutgers needed more speed from its wide receivers um, to compete in the big 10. And, and you look around these teams in the conference and, and they're fast, they're athletic and Rutgers needed more of that. And so getting Taj Harris and Sean Ryan were huge. And I mean, Taj Harris you know, certainly the ending ending of his Syracuse uh, tenure there is his run in Syracuse didn't go, you know, surprised a lot of people the way it ended with him entering the portal early in the season. But, you know, he was still one of the, the best wide receivers that they had in their program history. So he that, that was a big addition. And obviously, I think he'll be motivated coming back to New Jersey and playing near home. So I think that that's going to be a big, big deal for him. Um, he's talented. And so is Sean Ryan. And obviously you have Shameen Jones coming back. I think they're expecting um, some big things from him. 
and he as he continues to take the next step and they need him to. You know, you have Isaiah Washington, obviously, um, and then Aaron Cruikshank, who's coming back from injury. Probably now with Bo Melton, you know, heading for the NFL, you know, at Cruikshank, as long as he returns from that injury to the level that he was at before he got hurt, he's probably arguably the most explosive player that they have on offense. So, listen, I think that there's definitely some some – Definitely a lot of potential in there for them to be more competitive at wide receiver. Losing Bo hurts, and, and it's not easy to replace, but I think that they made some positive steps in bringing in, as I said, Harris and Ryan to help, to, help them do that. So, you know, see how that translates to the field. But, um, you know, they, they've, they've definitely got some talent in that room, and I think that, they, you know, losing uh, Tyquan Underwood, that was obviously a bit of a surprise, but, you know, Demir Shaw has, has really made some good impressions. The wide receivers have spoken highly about him and, and the way he's, he's coached them up, so... I think that's definitely going to be intriguing to watch as, as those kind of those guys kind of continue to to grow and develop in, in, in the offense. And shifting gears a little bit to defense, talking about uh, you know new coaches, uh, obviously completely uh, complete overhaul on the defensive side of the ball with the coaching staff. You know we know obviously they're they're always going to have the fingerprints and and, and blueprint of, of Greg Schiano, but um, how has the first impressions of the new coaching staff uh, been? And how different do you expect this defense to be, you know, on the field schematically and, and anything else? Well, I, I don't think it'll be uh, overly that different from what, you know, Rutgers has done in the past. Uh, you know, Greg Schiano kind of described it as, uh, you know, Joe Harris-Simiak sort of from that tree of, of defense. He, he brings his own tweaks and different philosophies, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, an all complete overhaul. I think it's going to be very similar to what we've seen in the past. Um, you know, listen, I mean, so far in the spring, you know, that you've heard a lot about, kind of the way they're working together. And, and you know, Greg Schiano was talking about the com- camaraderie among the defensive coaching staff. Um, you know, Joe Harris-Simiak and Corey Heatherman, uh, you know, Heatherman, the new linebackers coach, they go back a long way. Um, so they know each other well. Uh, Marquise Watson, I mean, you know, you talk to him and I'm sure you saw the, the you know, the press conference that we did with him, a ton of energy. You know, you, you know he was calling Greg Schiano the godfather. He was joking about, he was laughing about how, how uh, you know, happy he is to be back home in Jersey and, and be at Rutgers. Um, you know, for his second stint, because he was here a few years ago as, as a, you know, as he was starting his coaching career, but now he's back, obviously, as the D-line coach. And, you know, I, I think that everybody's had that, you know, that, that they're coaching, you know, the, the players have really uh, responded well to the new coaching staff and have said all the right things. So, you know, I guess at this point, that, that's, that's all you can really say about it. They're, you know, we'll see what happens, how they do once the season gets started, but so far, so good. And, you know, obviously with the new coaching staff, there's a lot of overhaul on the roster, on the defensive side. You have some, you know, a lot of younger players with opportunity. Do you think that that is, you know, something that kind of could benefit this team, having kind of a fresh look from the coaching staff uh, as they start to develop and, and bring up these younger guys? And is there anyone, I guess, that you're expecting to kind of be able to step up and, and have a bigger role this coming year? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I think it's it's anytime you bring in new voices and, and fresh faces, I think, to kind of infuse some new ideas, I, I think that, that that always can help. Not that the previous coaching staff was doing anything wrong, but I just think, you know, sometimes players, um, you know, hear different things and maybe, you know, they can got, kind of, uh, you know, get some new ideas or, and, and, you know, be developed by people who have different philosophies. I don't think that that ever hurts. Um, in terms of players, yeah, I think that there's a lot of potential on that side of the ball for guys to step up. I mean, one guy I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do is uh Keontae Hamilton you know I mean he was he's a really talented player um obviously we know he, what he's done as a wrestler in, in his background he's he's very you know he's a very really good wrestler um last season in his opportunities he impressed you know I mean in, in one game he played both nose guard and, and defensive end um 
Graciano at one point last year called him a rising star and, and the, the, you know, Marquise Watson called him relentless. He kind of brings that wrestler's mentality to the football field. So he's a guy that I'm really interested to see, you know, what he can do. Um, and then I think looking at linebacker, you know, I'm, I'm really, that's going to be one of the most intriguing position groups just because they have to replace so many, so much production, you know, Obviously, Olukunle Fadakasi, Tyreek Williams, Maddox Williams, Tyshawn Fogg, Drew Singleton, those guys are all gone, you know, working to head to the NFL. You know, you have a guy like Tyreen Powell, another guy like Hamilton, who also impressed in his opportunities last season. I think he's got a shot to really make a big impact. And then, you know, there's other, some young run, uh, linebackers there like Anthony Johnson and Moses Walker. Um, and Corey Heatherman yesterday was, was, you know, really speaking highly about them and, and how they've worked and um, kind of learning you know, learning from mistakes made in practice and handling that adversity. So it'll be interesting to see if those guys can make an impact as true freshmen, which is never easy, but Rutgers might need them to. We'll see if they can get there. Uh, so there's definitely, and then, I mean, even more, I mean, you know, Shaquan Loyal and Desmond Igbenosin, I mean, all these guys, they're, they're young, talented pieces. Um, we'll see what they can do once the season starts, if they get the chance to, to, to you know, make an impact. So, but there's definitely young players there, as you said, and, and, and you know, they're going to be pushing for roles. And last question for you on football. What's your, you've covered this team now for a few years with Shiano being back. You know, what is, what's your kind of sense of his feeling and kind of attitude? Does he seem more relaxed in the spring? You know, this is their first true spring practice now, you know, since he's been here with COVID and everything. Do you feel like kind of the, you know, everything's starting to click the way he had hoped? Or is he kind of still kind of give you that impression like in season where he's, you know, kind of close to the vest and maybe, uh, not quite sure of, of what this team can be yet. Well, he's, he said before, you know, they're still a young program, you know, so I think that it's just going to continue to install that culture. I wouldn't say, you know, more relaxed. I don't think Greg Schiano ever totally relaxes when it's, when it comes <laughs> to football and practicing, I think it's always, you know, it, there's a lot of intensity. He wants that. He wants that competition. Um, you know, it's, it's, he, he wants to turn this into a winning program. So I wouldn't say relax is the word. Um, but, you know, listen, I, I, I think that, there's just a lot of intrigue with this program because as I said, they have more big 10 caliber talent, but that talent's young. So kind of what that's going to bring is going to be interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, honestly, if, if, you know, you're around the team now and you know, you wouldn't know if it was spring practice or training camp or in the middle of the season, I mean, they kind of have one mode and that's to be intense and to go all out, you know, every, every practice and, um, you know, be competitive. So, you know, that, that, that hasn't changed. So shifting, I uh, wanted to talk about hoops a little bit. I know you were out there uh, in Dayton for uh, Rutgers men's basketball. Obviously, it's, I can't believe it's been a, about three weeks now when they lost to Notre Dame in the first four, uh, arguably one of the you know best games in the NCAA tournament. I guess just getting your, your thoughts on, you know, just kind of the end of an era, the way it all ended um, and and how you kind of kind of sum up the season that was, which was obviously as, as much of a roller coaster as we've probably ever seen with this team. Yeah, and we could we could do this podcast in five years, and I'm not sure at that point I'll have been able to sum up that this season. You know, I mean, I don't <laughs> know if I've had enough time yet to really. It was bizarre. I mean, it was just you know from losing to Lafayette and UMass, and and then DePaul, and that the early season struggles, and then the, knocking off four ranked teams. I mean, what they were able to do to get into the tournament, even if it was a play in, you know, a first four, it was it was just a wild year. I mean, who could have predicted that that was what was going to happen when, when it seemed like the season was over, you know, early in, in, in December. Um, it was wild. And, and it was, you know, listen, I, I think that game, as you said, was, was one of the best games in the NCAA tournament. Um, it was just being there. It was like, 
you knew that you were watching something great. Um, and then to, to have it end, I think, for the players. I mean, you sit in the press conference, and I, I've never been in a press conference that was quite like that, you know, with with the players, you know, Caleb and, and Gio and Ron just in tears and um, just looking like, you know, just completely shocked at how it ended and, and devastated. And, you know, there was just an air of finality that that was it. You know, obviously they hadn't announced their intentions for next season at that point, but you just kind of felt like that was it. Um, so it was a wild year and, and it was certainly, you know, kind of within a matter of minutes, it went from like, wow, this team's, you know, going to San Diego and then it was over. You know, it was just, it was a wild, wild night. And, you know, that, that was a wild ending to a wild season. So getting into the offseason, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Steve Peichel was extended right before uh, the season was over. News this week that Brandon Knight is expected to be extended two years as well. You know, how important is having that stability with the coaching staff and, and how critical do you think it is for them to uh, add to the roster this offseason, you know, through the transfer portal, anything you're hearing specifically? Yeah, I mean, first of all, with the coaching staff, it's huge. I mean, you know, to have that stability and, and you know, stability with this program hasn't been something that it's enjoyed, you know, in recent years. And and obviously now that Michael is here and, and he has brought that back and you know, having Knight, you know, with that contract extension, Brandon Knight's huge for them. And, and he will get his opportunities. You know, I believe that. And I spoke to I did a story on him last year uh, around the NCAA tournament time and, and speaking to people from his past. And they all believe that, you know, he's he's. He's destined to be a head coach someday, but obviously right now he's, he's sticking with Rutgers. And I think that's huge for that program because of what he's able to do uh, for that coaching staff um, with recruiting. Um, so that's a big deal, you know, to have that stability going forward. In terms of, you know, the, the portal and, and the roster, this team's going to look different. Obviously, no Geo, no Ron, you know, potentially no Caleb. We'll see what he's going to do. Um, you know, there there's going to be – I think they need a scoring guard. I think that's that's what – um, you know, my colleague, Jared Carino, has, has been saying that, you know, he's, they, they need a guard who can score. So I think that that's going to be something that, you know, Steve Peichel looks to in the portal. I think that they could use two players from the portal. If they can get one, obviously, you know, they definitely need that. And then, you know, it, it comes down to some of these other guys. I mean, can Jalen Miller, you know, develop um, more of an offensive game? Obviously, we know we can do it on defense, but his offense wasn't quite to that level yet, obviously. Um, you know, can Dean Reber continue to develop and, and you know, just kind of become – even better and, 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 you know, really provide, you know, even more depth, um, you know, as he did last year, he, he's made huge strides, but you know, what can he continue to do in the off season? Um, you know, and, and it's going to look like a very different team. Obviously you have Cliff Amori there who's, who's, you know, I think anybody would say that he's one of the best, you know, big men in the big 10 at this point. Um, so there's definitely some, some good players there, but I think, you know, they're going to need some, some help there offensively from the portal. So, you know, see what Steve Peichel can do, but it's going to look like a very different team next year. It's going to be a little strange, you know, when the season gets started and you don't see certain faces out on the court. So it's going to be a little bizarre. Yeah, I agree with you too. I, I, I do think they need two impact transfers for next season. Obviously, if Caleb McConnell returns, a uh, huge boost there if it does happen. But yeah, I totally agree with your assessments on, on the need for scoring production. Uh, I guess I wanted to get your take uh, at the end here just about, you know, you covering Rutgers for a while now, um, you know, how, I guess, encouraging should it be for fans that, you know, football has, has obviously made significant steps under Shiano more to go, of course, uh, basketball as well. You have even, you know, baseball right now is doing so well. Is there anything that you hear from kind of other people across the big 10 or any sense that perception has really changed in the last couple of years about Rutgers 
and their place in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and you look at, you know, the success the success of the Olympic sports these last few seasons, obviously. I mean, if you look at what like the women's soccer program has done uh, recently, I mean, it, it's huge. And, and you know, Rutgers wanted to make its mark in the Big Ten. And I think it's it's it took a little while, but I think, you know, they're, it's doing that now, you know. And, and, you know, certainly with the basketball team, I mean, even the way that this season ended, but, you know, just they're 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 one of the most formidable teams in the conference. And as you said, I mean, you look at both lacrosse programs right now, what they're doing and it's huge. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think that they continue to gain more and more respect um, around the country uh, and certainly in the conference. And that's huge. And I think that there's, you know, there's no signs of it slowing down. Um, so it's just, I think that they just kind of want to continue to spread that around the entire, you know, athletic department and, and get every team going in the right direction. So, you know, certainly things are moving that way. Um, football is kind of next that I think that's, that's what, you know, I think Greg Shiano is hoping that it's, you know, his team can join that party soon. Certainly exciting times to be a Rutgers athletic sports fan. Uh, Chris Eisman does a great job covering all the Rutgers sports. Chris, thanks so much for being back. Appreciate all your insights and, uh, look forward to, uh, hearing from you, your assessments and coverage, uh, through the spring game. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Aaron. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for Chris Eisman joining us once again and uh, getting a chance to get his insight on what he's seen at practice uh, so far this spring and just his thoughts on the program, as well as touching on basketball and, and a few other things as well. Always great to get perspective from uh, so many valuable members of the Rutgers beat, Chris being one of them, and uh, always fun to talk to him. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can find all of our coverage of Rutgers Athletics at onthebanks.com. We're on social media, on Facebook and on Twitter, OTB underscore SB Nation. Obviously, spring sports coming down the stretch here. Uh, about a month of the regular season left. Men's across, women's across, off to a great start so far. Baseball as well. A lot of exciting things to really follow with um, about uh, two months, a month and a half left in uh, the academic year. Rutgers has had another back, uh, second consecutive, really strong year athletically and hoping for a great finish in multiple sports as we get into the, the, the meat of April here. Thanks so much for listening once again here at On The Banks. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.